When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Family with Tom Bernard and... Co-host, Catherine Brandt. L.A. Nick. Alex Brandt-Bernard Rasmussen. Andy Brandt-Bernard. And Cassie Schrader. And we'll be right back. Me familia for Alex. <laughs> well, you didn't even say it right. Me familia. <laughs> That's the right way. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Join me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal as we talk cars, how to buy them, how to lease them, how to make the most of your money, and much more. What's it going to take to earn your business right now? Tune in every Thursday from 2 to 3 Central or download it on the Tom Bernard Podcast page. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to think about it. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Cool. 
I always thought it was Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid? You need Kool-Aid. <laughs> he had such a great... Sounds delightful. <laughs> he had such a great voice to No one really needs Kool-Aid. No. Gross. <laughs> used to dye my hair with Kool-Aid, remember? Yes. Um, is Mark ready to go? Yes. Mark Blake, ladies and gentlemen, the book, Bring It On Home, Peter Grant, Led Zeppelin, and Beyond the Story of Rock's Greatest Manager. Um, I want to ask you a question up front, Mark. Just uh, on uh, Monday, I talked to Paul Rogers, and I believe, wasn't Peter Grant involved with the Free at first, or one of those, one of the iterations of that band? I think Peter Grant was involved with them for it. Yeah, it's back. He's involved with Bad Company. Yeah, he managed Bad Company. There it is, Bad Company. That's exactly right. Yeah, and uh, yeah. God, where did this guy come from? How did he pull it off? It's a pretty amazing story. Yeah, well, he was uh, he grew up in a very poor part in um, poor part of London. Um, never knew who his dad was. Um, no very little formal education, and he started driving groups around in a large minibus. And those groups included, well, artists included people like Gene Vincent and Chuck Berry when they came over to the UK for the first time. So he was their driver and their tour manager and their roadie. And then he started driving the Yardbirds around and they needed a manager. He said he'd manage them. And of course, one of the Yardbirds was Jimmy Page. So that's how it all started. It is a great story, I'll tell you what. First of all, Led Zeppelin came along, I believe, what, 67 was their first album. Is that right? Uh, 68, 60, like end of 68, beginning of 69. Yeah. Okay, end of 68. So, yeah, uh, Led yeah. Zeppelin 1 comes out and just blows everybody away with certainly the guitar work of, of Jimmy Page and the singing of Robert Plant. You go across. It's, it was just a phenomenal band from, from beginning to end. They were the Yardbirds. Was Robert Plant with them when they were the Yardbirds? Uh, you know, uh, at least Jimmy Page. No, he wasn't. Know that. No, he was. I didn't think no, so. No, not so. Jimmy Page and Jimmy Jimmy Page and Peter Brown put the band together. I mean, you know, they, they were told to check out this singer, this young singer, which was Robert Plant, and he said, check out my drummer, which was John Bonham. But uh, Plant and Bonham were new kids. They were younger kids. You know, they, were, they didn't have the experience Page did. So uh, they were the junior partners very much at the beginning. You know, Mark, it was one of the great things of all time uh, in my career. I've been doing the radio business for decades. And the last time I talked to Robert Plant on the air, I said, do you think you will ever, and I'm not trying to push you, I'm just asking a question, do you think you will ever get back together and, and, and perform with Led Zeppelin? And he said, no, no, I, I don't think so, Tom. I want to play tennis and fornicate. That's what he said. Well, yeah. There you have it. Very clear. Can't he, do, can't he do all three? Can't he do all three things? You know? Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> that'd be good, Mark. Why not? Come on. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I agree. Nicest man in the world, though. I'll tell you that. Robert Plant and I sat down and talked to him at uh, Carnegie Deli once and talked to him on the phone. So, nicest guy in the world. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's, he's very easy to get on with, yeah. Mm. How did you get involved with the with the project? Have you, have you been a lifelong uh, Zeppelin fan? How, how did this all start? Uh, yeah, very much home? so. Yeah, very much. Yeah, I mean, I've interviewed Rob, interviewed Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, John Paul Jones many, many times. And uh, I was going to interview Jimmy, going to interview Jimmy Page once. And he said, "I don't want that guy interviewing me. I'm scared he's going to write a book about me." And I wasn't. And he gave me the idea that I'd write a book about him. So you know, if you're going to say that, Jimmy, you put the idea in my head. And I met, or I'd spoken to Peter Grant's son some years earlier. 
And I got in touch with him and said, if I wanted to do a book about your dad, what would you say? You got him and his sister on side, and they opened up, you know, they, well, they put me in touch with a lot of people, and they opened up all, we, we dug out crates of their dad's stuff that had been locked away from the 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, and there was some incredible stuff in there. I mean, some of it's in the book. Some of it we can't publish till people are dead, certain people. But it's all in, yeah. it's all there. Lots of incriminating evidence about Led Zeppelin and all the bands that Peter looked after. So that that's oh, God, kind yeah. of how it came about. Yeah, I, I remember I was 16 years old when when the album came out. So yeah, it was uh, like late. Late 1968, I was 16 years old, and I, I was, you know, just going out with this other, other uh, girl. She was 16 as well, and we had just gone on a couple of whatever. There weren't even dates. We were teenagers, right? And Led Zeppelin One came out. We were listening to it. We both just loved the album. And I was talking to Jimmy Page about this, and he said, "Well, well, Tom, did did uh, did you stay together?" I said, "No, actually." Uh, I found out she loved the uh, the album, but not me so much. And he said, Tom, did you not listen to the whole album? Babe, I'm going to leave you. <laughs> I said, yeah, okay, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah right babe, well, it was terrific. I thought you were going to say you'd are... run off with Jimmy Page. I thought you were going to say you'd run off with him. Jimmy Page. Yeah, well, she probably did, to tell you the truth, Mark. That probably was what happened. But <laughs> what I love across the board with bands like Led Zeppelin and several other bands, uh, you know, up in that stratosphere, the guys are actually really easy to deal with, to interview. You have a good time. They're very, very funny. Um, I have always enjoyed it a lot. I've been doing it for 48 years and I just love doing it because it's, it just, it's a lot of fun to do. Like talking to you, we have great stories back and forth. You're talking about the book, bring it on home, Peter Grant, Led Zeppelin and beyond the story of rock's greatest manager. This stuff is fascinating to me. How you go from being a driver, basically a taxi cab driver at first, and then escorting them around, Mm. and you end up managing one of the greatest bands of all time. Yeah, it's luck, isn't it? It's a luck and, you know, good judgment. He had street smarts. He was a very tough guy. He's a physically imposing looking guy. Mm -hmm. Very tough. He knew the business. He knew all the tricks. And I think he, what he did was he built a wall around Jimmy Page, a wall around Led Zeppelin. You wanted to get to them, you had to go through him. It's interesting you're saying that they're great to interview now, and they are great to interview now. But, I, I, you know, I think they had their moments back in the day. Certainly Jimmy yeah. Page did where he wouldn't necessarily be so easy. And I think, you know, that was all part of the mystique. They didn't make themselves too available. And again, this is something that, that Peter Grant has to take some of the credit for. Yeah, I, I, he did a, a brilliant job. There, there was always that, well, we can't completely get to Led Zeppelin, so there's something very special about them. That was very smart, actually. Yeah, it was. I mean, no one had done that before. I mean, here in the UK, I mean, they, Led Zeppelin happened in the United States before they happened here in the UK. But, you know, they never released singles over here. They never appeared on TV here or in, or in America. And that was considered commercial suicide at the time. But it, it made you go out and made you buy the concert ticket. It made you go and buy the LP. You want to hear Stairway to Heaven, you had to buy the album because, you know, you couldn't go and buy it as a single. So it was a win-win for Zeppelin all around. Made an awful lot of money by being a bit mysterious and remote. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Mark Over, I don't want to run this by you because you, it sounds like you've been... How long have you been in the business? Uh, 30 years, nearly 30 years now. But yeah, run it past me anyway. I'm a newcomer compared to you. <laughs> oh, <I'm a> newcomer. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Uh, it's a nice no, sentence. It's a nice sentence. 
I've asked, and I, I really, just a quick aside, I want to ask you this because I, I ask a lot of people this. Is there any idea, is there a round figure somewhere for after the British invasion started with the Beatles, you had to give that uh, certainly late 1962, 63, whatever it was, and continued on for a couple of decades. Is there any way, because England was in pretty poor straits uh, monetarily before this happened, right after World War II, there was a lot of damage, bombed out buildings everywhere, mm. not necessarily up to 62, but basically rock and roll music starting with the Beatles reinvigorated the entire country of England and I'd like to know how much it's billions of dollars all off of rock music isn't that great yeah yeah I wouldn't have a clue how much I mean no, you know, no one does there was the accounting counting accounting practices weren't so great back then you know how much that money made it to the band how much is yeah. it how much in, how much went know, to some greedy back, guy oh. <laughs> yeah Oh, yeah, yeah, loads of it, loads, loads of it. Yeah, but it is. It, I mean, that's yeah. what you, you summed it up really well. There. I mean, that you know, a bomb. A, a Britain was covered in bomb sites. There was no money. The food was terrible. The TV, TV and radio was even worse. That's how it came about. <laughs> isn't, and that's it, the culture isn't, isn't it still oh, kind of like desperation? Desperation. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that. Still. No, it's still like that. <laughs> you know, now. We've got more than. We've got more than We've got more than four TV channels now. We just have yeah. four. We just have three. I, I wanted to ask you. You think I'm joking? I, you think the, I'm I use joking? Sky TV. I, I wanted to ask you because I've seen Elton John has a bunch of footage. Led Zeppelin used to use Bobby yeah. Sherman's jet. And that was the Led Zeppelin plane. It was, Bobby, okay. it was Bobby Sherman's. I think it was a 747. It was a big jumbo jet. And yeah. Elton John has yeah, a bunch of awesome. Elton John has a bunch of video of stuff on that plane. And I've got the pleasure Uh-oh. of seeing a lot of that video. And uh, there's there's Fantastic. a there's a shot of Elton John sitting at a baby grand piano. Wow. And Led Zeppelin is in a circle all around him in a couch. And of course, they're all doing yeah. uh, they're all doing lines of cocaine off the piano and uh, drinking, and it, it yeah. those guys had an amazing time. They they were having yeah. so much fun, and I probably watched a couple hours of different video that Elton John owns of Led Zeppelin, and I guess he was good friends with everybody in Led Zeppelin because he has a lot of video of him with those guys. Yeah. So they must have toured together. Yeah, he's got the incriminate. Yes, he has well, the incriminating stuff. Met each other on the road, you know. Yeah, he's keeping that in the vault that he needs it, I guess. But yeah, that was it. I mean, you know, that's the way to travel, isn't it? <laughs> sitting on a 30-foot couch. The couch is 30-foot long. You know, you've got a piano there, you've got a bar, you've got a circular bed in a in a private bedroom. Jimmy Page always said he liked to make he liked to have a whole loop take off when he left. <laughs> so he'd be on the bed entertaining uh you know that is the way there, there, there's, eight, there's rumors you that know. bobby sherman made more money leasing that plane to led zeppelin <laughs> than he ever made in the music business i can believe that yeah <laughs> i can believe that because I, I guess they, they leased it for, and they, they leased it for a decade i think yeah wow. i think the best part of that and they left loads and loads and this is true loads and loads of rolled up hundred dollar bills <laughs> We've forgotten about and left down around the back of the seat. And that, that is the truth. Because the air, the oh, air stewardesses, the air stewardesses, took all the money up. Yeah, there was, that, the there, was there, it, there was a lot of rolled up bills in that video. Oh a lot God. of rolled up bills, yeah. That's the, yeah. A tip for the cleaning crew. <laughs> But 
but I can say the whole, they looked like they were actually sincerely happy, like all the time at, at, at that time. That was you know the first couple albums. They were they looked like they were brothers. They were yeah. a family. Yeah, yeah. Well, that you know, I think they were. I think they did have a great time. But you know, later on, things kind of soured between them, as they do with all bands. You know, it, right. it's usually they usually argue over something, and it's it's often money or drugs. I think it's you money. know both those things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Both those, all those things played a part in that yeah. happening, but yeah, I think there was a, it was a great time, yeah, a great time for the business and very creative time as well. I remember watching no, I those, and actually, the, the hair on the back of my neck stood up, thinking how much fun those guys had. <laughs> like, yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, absolutely. Waiting for the flow. I like it. Um, it's fa- it's fascinating to talk about this. Like I said, it's I, and I, it's hard to believe now that we're talking an era more than fifty years ago when it began. You know, again in the early sixties. Yes. This uh, you know Led Zeppelin, of course, is uh, is uh, at right at fifty years, and it's just shocking to think about that. That makes like me that was sad. A half a century. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know what you're yeah. saying. It's like yeah. really that was fifty years. You just ago. depressed ah. me. <laughs> Oh, well, it wasn't me. Yeah. Father Time I'm, did that. You know what I mean? Not 50 years. The book is called Bring It On Home, Peter Grant, Led Zeppelin, and Beyond the Story of Rock's Greatest Manager. Mark, phenomenal interview. I appreciate your time today. And it's just great memories, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for talking. It's brilliant. Absolutely. You're a good man. I like that when British people say brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Because it means it's okay. I know. They Basically, say it all the time. Really to them. Yeah. <laughs> they do say it all the time. I know. The first time I went over there, I was like, they were, I, I went to a trade show. And people were saying, like, this bridle for a horse was brilliant. And I'm like, that's so weird. Like, we call Einstein brilliant, not a bridle. It's <laughs> <laughs> a whole different deal, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I'm sitting down with a write, uh, somebody who can write a book someday and talk about the fact what the Beatles started as far as money flowing into the country of England and, and of course, the Rolling Stones, you go on down the list with Led Zeppelin and all the rest of it. But the one thing that, that I've not talked to anybody about, because I really haven't broached the issue yet, because it was 1962 and because the Civil Rights Act had, wouldn't pass for another three years, uh, R&B music is what it was called at the time, you know, I guess right. maybe soul music to some people. But it was much more accepted in England than it was in America. You know, Elvis Presley, there was still race music is what they called it when Elvis Presley broke big. But the Brits, the first thing I ever heard Paul McCartney say was he loved American Negro music. That's what he said. Right. You know, and and one of the reasons it broke so big out of England because America apparently wasn't ready for it yet. And then it broke huge in America. So I guess we were ready for it. Did, did you know Ze- what I mean? Did Zeppelin make it over there before here or here before there? I think it was here, actually. What do you mean yeah. when they got really big? I would think it was here. I think so, yeah. I think you're right. We'll be back. The family. A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for 
program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. If you're tired of feeling frustrated because your clothes don't fit like they used to, then Nutramost is for you. Thanks to the Sheehy brothers and staff at Nutramost in Plymouth, I am down 92.5 pounds. The Nutramost program is amazing. I lost over 40 pounds during each of my first two 40-day rounds. You can have great success just like me because Nutramost is customized for each individual person, and the staff at Nutramost will be there for you every step of the way. Start your weight loss journey today and let Nutramost help change your life. Give yourself this wonderful gift or give this program as a present. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life and they can help you too. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Dad's favorite song. That's a good song. I do love it. Well, Zeppelin was like your generation, right, Tom? I mean, that was... Oh, God, yeah. Like I was 16. Yeah, yep. yeah. So I'm a couple years younger than you, so it was... It, for me, it was like my sister's, you know, generation. Yeah. Sisters. Just heard this on KQ no. so many times. I know. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I'm a huge Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. I love Zeppelin. I know. I like Zeppelin, too. Yeah, me, too. Great music. Ti- it's uh, timeless. Yeah. Timeless. I have proof now, looking at the guest list, that there is a God. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because L.A. Nixon, who's a, a nice Italian boy from Pennsylvania, we called the show when Alex is on it, Mi Familia, just to annoy her. Awesome. And our guest <laughs> in 15 minutes is Gianni Russo, who played Carlo Rizzi in The Godfather. I cannot wait to interview him. Yeah, I'm just going to leave. It's going to be perfect. Alex will be so annoyed. If you it's say be Parmesan one time. <laughs> I love it. But I am going to go. Say, uh, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you were Grata Azura? I'm going to oh head out. God. Thanks so much for having I'm gonna me. Head God out. Help us all. It's been a great time. I've interviewed him before. He's a good guy, but he, he actually was a mobster. I don't think people understand. Oh, really? Where's he from? He, did, he, he wasn't. Uh, he is from Little, uh, Little Italy. Huh, of course. In, uh, in uh, New York. Okay, there's a lot of Little Italy's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of Little Italy's, but uh, in New York, yeah. Uh, that's why I brought up Grata Azura. Because, uh, you ever been there? Catherine's been there. Yeah. It's a restaurant. I don't think it's even there. I want to see if he knows where I can get some bacala, some real bacala. Bacala. Um, <laughs> Catherine made a huge mistake. What? Alex has ripped off her headphones. He's <laughs> going away. He's going away. It's it's L.A. Nick's fault. He's Italian. That was good. I actually, oh, yeah. I, I, I actually got ripped off in that field because my my grandparents for literally came here from Italy. My grandmother, my dad's mom, didn't speak a word of English, not yeah. a word, hmm. my whole life. She never, oh, really? I never spoke really? to my grandmother. She never spoke English. She didn't know English. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, and but my generation, we were forced not to learn Italian, not to speak Italian, right. only yeah. to speak That's English. Right. And I got ripped off because I walked in the room. Everybody. I agree. 
stop talking or start speaking English. And it makes me mad. I, I oh, they scold, wanted you to assimilate? I scold my parents about it. I'm like, you know what? You cheated me out of a whole – because I go to Italy every year now. I have tons of Italian friends, and I can't speak Italian. You could learn. Yeah, it's tough. At, it's tough when you get older. Learn a new language. I tried. It's, it's not that really easy. hard. It's really hard. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how people do it, but it's really hard. All I know is I get to listen to Alex being annoyed <laughs> in only twelve minutes. Plus, I, I barely speak English. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's true too. Let's not cut that out. You barely can speak English. I can English, barely so, speak you know. English, so that's, there's that. It no. just seems like some people can pick up languages just so much faster than others. Yeah, not me. I know. Like I said, I barely yeah. picked up English. I can I can learn oh phrases, you know, like to travel and stuff, so I can kind of, you know, just say greetings and order things and find my way around. But it takes me like four or five days of listening to them, and then all of a sudden when I get comfortable with it, it's time to go home. I, <laughs> I kind of blame Catholic school for a lot of the stuff I don't know, like English and grammar, because most of my teachers were old nuns. Mm-hmm. And then, so I'm a, I know my history. I'm a history freak because I had a really attractive lay teacher for history. <laughs> and she, and, okay. and so I listened okay. to every word she said. And the oh old nun is like, yeah, it's an old nun. You know, when, when you're a 14-year-old well, boy. really nice. How sexist and dismissive of you. Well, when you're a 14-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah, really. And you have a 23-year-old high history teacher, that's oh, who you listen yeah. to. Yeah. What do you expect out of a teenager? It's just the way they, it don't, works. they have simple drives. And I'm still a 14 year old boy. So that's kind of sad about that. I just thought of something. I won't say her name. I'm sure she's long dead, but no reason to besmirch the woman. Anyway, But uh, so you had the attractive, uh, the attractive teacher uh, when I was in school at St. Joseph's. We had a, a, our first lay teacher, a woman, came in. It's the first time that I was ever taught by somebody who wasn't a nun. Uh, so she came in to, to, and taught the class. Every day she would have huge sweat pits in her sweaters and, nice. and her shirts. And when she leaned over to look at your paper, her breath was horrendous. Oh, wow, you fun. S- so why you got are they the good a lay one? person? Yeah. They're called lay teachers in Catholic I know, school. But why? Because they're not lay nuns. Teacher. So they get laid? But why? Because you want to Because you want to lay really? There's children present. This woman, woman, though, was very attractive, and she would wear white blouses with black bras a lot. Oh, scandalous. I can't believe that the nuns let her wear that. I'll tell you, every kid in in that school was like, boing, eyes popping out. But uh, yeah. I actually got to know her really well after school, after I graduated high school. And she actually, she was only a couple of years older than us. She was only oh. 22 and, up when, and, and she came in when I was sixth grade, but I didn't have her till ninth grade. So we weren't that far apart in age. Well, it's a long way between ninth grade and 21. No, I'm saying you catch up to each other in life. Well, yeah, later. Yeah, later. Not at I got to know her after oh. after high school. Oh, in the biblical sense? No, but she was very... Mom's been away from home too long. Mom's been alone in that house you, for too many hours. You can control your wife, Tom. <laughs> Yeah, okay. She See what happens when she's away for three days? This is what I she know. turns into. She turns into a maniac. Uh, Absolutely. But, it, but, I, but, I, but I, my point is, she taught me the most out of any teacher I had. I'm sure she did. Yeah. Well, 
So well, you do. Uh, you have to be motivated to learn. If you're just learning because yeah, you have like, not even have to. It's just like you know because you're being made to, and you don't actually care. You're not going to learn. You have to have some reason for your brain to retain the information. Yeah, I, and I, I had to explain all this how I know so much about like World War II and Civil War <laughs> to Nancy. Because I had to explain sure. it to her like, how do I know? Cause she's you like, how do you just, know that? You couldn't have just gone with I'm smart. No, yeah. well, she knows better than that. So I had to explain yeah, how true. I know so much history. I said, well, I had good a point. really, really good-looking history teacher. Hot for teacher. What's that song? Yeah, hot, hot for teacher. Hot for teacher. You mean hot for teacher? Yeah, that's the you one. Mean that hot for teacher. <laughs> that one. That's true. Trust me, every it's every. True. Every kid had that one teacher. Uh, I'm trying to think in Catholic school. We had our lay teachers were not. No, there was one that had a serious case of dandruff. Aww. Well, they couldn't have picked (laughs) Mrs. Zuccaro. Sorry, they don't say her name, Mom. Poor woman. It's not what poor woman. I'm sure she's long. Typical Italian. Yeah, she's long gone. (laughs) She's probably long gone. Or maybe it was yeah, another name. Some other person. You, good God, you lose your mind when... See, i got to wrangle Catherine every day. This is what happens when I'm not there. She gets too much sleep when she doesn't have to deal with Jude. That does Yeah, happen. that's probably yeah. true. Except Jude for last night, true. because of the horrendous amounts of snow that are all over the place, the roof was doing some odd cracking oh, Tom, sounds. Tom, you have no idea what's going on here. Yeah. It's, 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 no, it's a disaster. Yes. I've seen the Get your get down on your roof and shovel it off. Now most of it's melted off now. Yeah, all of a sudden it just melted. It's it's so good, warm and moist out there. But it's just, I mean, the driveway is a swimming pool. (laughs) God, it's 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 bad. Oh, it's warm, moist. Ugh, it's bad. You should see the pasture, the horse poop. No, I bet. God, it's just a horse poop puddle. Oh, wait till they start rolling in it. That's always. Oh, trust me, they already did that. (laughs) Yeah. That was, to, and I just groomed them all yesterday. Oh, horses yeah. are so they weird. Really like I groomed that. all four horses three oh, days I'll ago. Wait till mud season. The only, the, well, the Clydesdale <laughs> doesn't roll much. No, but well, it's because getting up oh, again would yeah, take like he's seventeen hundred yeah. pounds. Yeah, wow. it's a lot of effort. Oh, my God, but the white. I have a pure white. Uh, Sheriff Horse. Oh, it's always the white one. He yeah. rolls. He always rolls right in it, man. Right in it. Every I, time. I have a feeling it's a camouflage thing. Like I think it just feels good because they have that long winter coat and they want to rub all that. I got hair one. Out. I got one. The Clydesdale's been eating the mare's poop. Oh. Oh, uh, they why. do Is that. that mm, it's, it's, it's it's not it's unheard not of. Unheard of. Okay, I was worried about it. So Animals I was, was going to ask you about it strange. today. Probably shouldn't do you know, it, but they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All animals do. Sitting here today on March 13th, 2019, going, what the hell happened to my career? What the hell hey, happened? Hey, you brought the family it's all, this is what happened. It's all in the family, man. It's your fault. It's all your... But you LA, gave us you power. You gave us a voice. Did you hear what happened to me on Monday, L.A.? No. So, you know, I just, I, I'm down in the gym, and I come upstairs, and I, I figure, oh, I'll, I'll FaceTime the family. So Dan answers the FaceTime, and I talk to Dan a little bit, and then he hands the phone over to, to um, Catherine. And Fawn, our little almost three-year-old granddaughter, says to Catherine, and I quote, Nana, your dad's on the phone. <laughs> oh, yeah, Catherine told me that. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh that's, t- that's, that's, a, that's a hard oh. hit, Tom. 
Thomas. That's a hit. punch right in the that's solar a, plexus. She doesn't know. No, she doesn't. It's not like oh, I know, he's but... a lot older than you. He must be your dad. Like she used to call Andrew Ariel's husband her dad all the time. She'd be like, Ariel's coming. Oh, she did. And her dad. And I'm like, no, dad? it's her husband. <laughs> to, to her dad means older male. Yeah, yeah. And dad, yeah, probably well, true. That probably is. Well, oh. and I refer to Dan as dad. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time, so yeah. she yep. kind of. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I remember funny. when the kids were little. Anytime they saw anybody with gray hair, they'd say that grandpa or that yeah. grandma. Oh, yeah. I still do. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. will say that. Italians I called their do. kids like my grandmother always called my mother mommy. Hmm. Oh, okay. That's a, oh, yeah. yeah. I guess it's yeah. not very bad. common. And in children Italian. are ba- babies, right? It's very they common in, in, Italian, in the Italian world to co- for a parent babies. to call their their daughter mommy. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Um, yeah. I will tell you this. It wasn't the fact that, that Fawn said that. That wasn't the prob- the troubling part. Is what a big thrill Catherine got out of it when she said it. Oh, it's, it's the first the thing. Th- Tom, it's the first thing she told me today when she saw me. Oh, oh God. I also told what you about, I didn't tell you about the fart train. I told you about the fart announcement. Yeah, she told me about the fart announcement. We've talking train. about yeah. she, I think she, been on a roll this week. But she week. didn't tell me about her calling you your daddy. Your daddy's yeah, here. Yesterday, she brings in this little step stool and she says, Let's go on the fart train. I'm like, what? <laughs> she says, this is the fart train. Come sit next to me. So I sat on the little stool with her, and I said, okay, where are we going? She said, we're taking the fart train to Key West. <laughs> uh, I love kids. And then we, had, talking about and then Key we had, West. Yeah, and then we yeah. had to get off the fart train, and we were at the beach. Fart train. Well, of and we were looking of at course. all the palm trees. She's got a very active imagination right now. It's oh, yeah. a riot. I love it. Oh, mom, when we were in Key West, mom came out of the bathroom and she goes, My name's Nana. <laughs> wow. I'm Nana. It's like, yeah, you're a hilarious kid. Yeah, she's a. Uh, I, what I really like is she's got this, uh, it looks like it's paper, it looks like a headband more than anything else. And she was wearing it yesterday when she's oh, running around and she was taking the train to Key West and all the rest of it. And I said, Fawny, you're wearing your headband. And she goes, it's a crown. I'm like, like, no, oh, it's pardon. a crown. Yeah. Don't you know anything? Pardon me. Yeah. And she did not like me thinking it was a headband. No. It's a crown. It was a crown. Okay. Yeah. You got to be hey, careful around her what you say these days. It's all going to be repeated. <laughs> Everything's going to be repeated. Yeah. You said you hated something in the car. I was on the phone with you, and you're like, I hate them over there. And then she was playing with this rabbit, and she was trying to get the carrot out of the rabbit's hand. And she goes, I hate this rabbit. I was like, thanks a <laughs> lot, Mom. Yeah, that's oh, not a good word. Thanks, and Mom. Then, and then she threw it at the ground. I was like, That's actually God. one word I don't use. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. When, I was a kid, oh, when I was a kid, if we said hate, they'd say strongly dislike. Yes, strongly Which, dislike. Even as a kid, I thought sounded stupid as hell. I don't, I don't like that word. It's Which one it word is. I just actually don't use is hate. Yeah? I don't know why. It bo- that word bothers it's me. probably because there's too much of it. Yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's just such a negative word. Yeah. I know. Well, no. yes. I said something sh- about... It shouldn't be considered a curse word. Well, that's taking things a little too far. Okay, it should. Well. I curse more than I use that word. Mm. Um, I got to run something by you guys because we got to take a break. And about, four, I'm getting all kinds of messages. 
Facebook is down. Yes, it's what really What is that all about? Irritating oh, to no, me right the now. world's ending. Facebook yeah. is down? What is that? I can't do my it's job. Hulk down, down. Glad I sold half what? of my stuff. How could that stuff? happen? I don't know. It keeps saying They're something evil. about maintenance. I, oh. oh, Facebook's down? You mean don't, not, I thought you meant the stock. No, the site no. is No, no, no. It's, it's off. Let yeah. me see. There I, goes their five so nines. Not for me, it's not. What? Nope. Yes, my it is. Facebook works fine. Yeah, on the app. It, That's well, weird. they were having issues with the app. I guess that Yeah, all my. I got new messages came in. Huh. Yeah, but if you try and post something, sometimes it won't post. It says can't post it. It says well, you can, you can log on, right but you now. can't post. I'll do it right now. All right, we'll take a break, come back and find out what L.A. Nick found out, and Gianni Russo, our special guest, right after this. Me, Fabi. <laughs> Tom Bernard here. Hey, let me ask you, do you know me because you recognize my voice or my face? Good question, isn't it? Let me ask you another one. What do you think when I say priority courier experts? Do you know them because you recognize their trucks, or do you know them by their name? Well, let me tell you something you might not know about my friends at Priority. 485 local drivers, 85 office staff, 37 million deliveries since 1997, and an opportunity for you to join their company. Drivers, you can join the fleet in your own vehicle or lease to own one of theirs. Or you can join the office staff and earn the most respectable pay in the business with 15 days off in your first year. Medical, dental, matching 401k, and a genuine chance for advancement. Just ask Jeff, who started as a customer service rep and is now company controller. Over 5,000 Minnesota companies rely on priority. Because every time you call us, we deliver. Join the team today at Priority.com. That's Priority.com. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Oh, oh, she's playing the music. This, is, this still is a really good piece of music. It's a really good. Oh, it's lovely music. It's a really good movie. Yeah, it is. Well, it is. A, I think it's the best movie of all time. It's unbelievable, and it's amazing stars, including uh, Gianni Russo. He'll be with us in just what about thirty seconds. He's on Something right like now. That. Oh, he's on now. Good, excellent. The book is called Hollywood Godfather, My Life in the Movies and the Mob. Gianni, how are you? I'm great, my man. Thank you for having me on. Well, it's our great pleasure. We've talked before. Uh, I've interviewed you uh, several times, matter of fact, over the last few years. Well, not the last few years, but uh, I guess we're looking. You know, that's one thing, Gianni, I, I, that I, I'm not real happy with the fact that the Godfather came out almost 50 years ago. <laughs> man. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. it it's frightening to look back. Being played. Oh God, yes! It's it's as big as ever, from what I understand. The movie, uh, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen it. It's uh, brilliant movie making, and I've always wanted to ask you this. I've never asked you this, even though we've talked before. But you actually might have been a, a you know a little bit mobbed up at one point. Is that correct? A lot of bit. A lot of bit. Uh, so you're, my question for you is, that scene where um, you're talking to Al Pacino, 
and he knows in real life that you're a lot of mobbed up, in your own words, did he ask you permission off camera if he could kill you in the movie? Because <laughs> it might no. have been smart. <laughs> no, I mean, everybody on that set knew how many people were real guys on that set. Because, you yeah. know, all of the publicity with the Colombo family, you know, trying to close it down. And then I negotiated right. the deal to go forward with the movie. And that's how I got the part. So, I mean, by that time, they, by the time we got to that scene, Pacino knew everybody. It was, I was around. And it was, it was a great opportunity, actually. <laughs> oh, guys, a great opportunity. There's no question about that. You did a hell of a job in the movie, too, because... I guess it's because you actually lived the life. When you were on screen, it was it was really believable because you were just being you, I guess. I think so, too. That's what they say. I was a natural actor. <laughs> no, I think I think it's very, very true because that whole thing, uh, the one my favorite scene that you're in, though, I got to tell you, it's it, I love this scene, and I have brought this up to you before. That one time when Sonny... James Conn throws a punch at you when he's got you by the garbage cans. He misses you by a foot, and you still go, oh. <laughs> well, I had, you it's know, I was, I was doing my part. He missed his mark, <laughs> and the cameraman <laughs> shot it the wrong way. We had yeah. cameras everywhere, so I can't believe they used that cut. Because we had other cuts where you would never see that. It's funny you should bring that up, because 25 years later, we're up in a solo trope at uh Francis Ford Coppola and uh, George Lucas's studio, and we're, mm -hmm. and we're showing the, the movie. And after 25 years, I thought they'd correct it. So we're sitting in the theater. I said, Francis, why didn't you fix that punch? I learned something about motion pictures. Once it becomes a classic and it wins an Oscar, yeah. you can't touch it. Yeah, yeah. you can't. Right. It's like putting a, a smile on the Mona Lisa's face. They don't want it. <laughs> God, I have to tell That's the story awesome. here. Let yeah, I, the, people I don't think know this, Gianni. Gianni Russo, our special guest. The book's called Hollywood Godfather, My Life in the Movies and the Mob. Um, Russo didn't have to act. He knew the mob inside and out from his childhood in Little Italy, where mafia legend Frank Costello took him under his wing, to acting as a messenger for New Orleans mob boss Carlos Marcello during the Kennedy assassination, to having uh, to, go to, uh, to go on the lam after shooting and killing a member of the Colombian drug cartel. Yeah, that, that part was probably a little uncomfortable, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it would be for anybody, no matter what <laughs> your life anybody. experience was. Uh, Gianni, well, the only reason happen? I went over there, well, I had a, a nightclub called Johnny Russo State Street in Vegas, and it was you mm -hmm. know, a high-profile place, and I was open 12 hours a day from 6 at night to 6 in the morning. So, you know, <laughs> 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, you get all kinds of characters, but I never thought I'd get Lorenzo Morales, because he was the underboss in, in the Medellin cartel. And then he got in a problem with his girlfriend, and he broke the Cristal bottle and stuck it in her face. Oh I guess oh. that's what they do in Bogota. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what they do in Bogota. Well, so you had to shoot him. Oh, yeah, no, I was just totally self-defense. Fortunately, all, all the, 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 the uh, murders I was involved with were all, you know, self-defense. And, uh, and basically... Yeah, I understand that. Kind of I, yeah, you know... Oh, I got to tell you something, Johnny. I, I talked to, I don't know if you know Kevin Weeks or not. Do you know the name Kevin Weeks? Yeah, I uh, do. Whitey I Bulger's. How do I know that name? Because he was oh, yeah. Whitey Bulger's yeah, guy. Yeah. So I'm talking you know, to Kevin so Weeks funny. about. I used to see Whitey in the valley while he was on the land. You did? I knew Whitey well. 
Well, yeah, well, I ain't going to rat the guy out. No. The guy used to come to my house. <laughs> so you Kevin gets get out of jail. He's a maniac. Oh, God, no, he was a maniac. So Kevin gets out of jail after all those years. He killed, I think, 23 people. Um, at least that's the count, so who knows? With <laughs> yeah. permission, yeah, absolutely. So I'm talking to him, and I said, uh, Kevin, I just, you know, bring some up here. I actually met you many years ago in New York City. I, uh, you, I was at a party, and you came came in, and, and we met. And there's a long pause. He goes, you owe me money? <laughs> I went, no, I do not owe you money. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's okay. a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. Not to not own, own Kevin Weeks any money, or you, for example. I probably wouldn't want to owe you money either. I wouldn't think. Nah, I'd, I'd let it go. Believe me. You're a good man. Why did Marlon? <laughs> why did Marlon Brando try to get you fired from the set, uh, The Godfather? What the hell was that all about? Well, 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 he was such a thespian that you know, and we we were told that day when we got our call sheet, do not have eye contact with him, do not approach him. I, didn't, I mean, I, oh, I love God. Marlon Brando, and I'm going to follow the laws. The first time in the movie, and as soon as we had our first break, he came over to me. Hmm. So I said, I ain't breaking the rules. He's talking to me. So he said to me, "You got a big movie coming out?" I said, "No." He said, "You you got TV show?" I said, "No." He said, "You're not on Broadway. I know everybody on Broadway." I said, "You're right." He said, "Who'd you study with?" I said, "Study what?" <laughs> with that, he called, he, he called Coppola over. He says, this guy's playing Carlo. He says, yeah. He says, this guy undermines my family, marries my daughter, gets my son Sonny killed. This guy's got to be a great actor. You should think this over. And I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, this guy's trying to get me fired right in front of me. <laughs> and I just had a party a couple of nights before, and everybody at the party thought I was lying, too. How are you going to get in this movie? You're not an actor. I said, I'm in the movie. Now, this guy's getting me fired. I'm saying, I wouldn't be able to go back to the neighborhood. I'd get fired. Forget about it. So with this, I said, you know, and I don't know protocol on, on, the, on the set. So I said, Francis, go over there a minute. I didn't know you couldn't dismiss the director. He's in charge. And then I did the next sacrilege. I put my arm around Brando to walk him out. Dude, I didn't want, oh, oh. want nobody to hear what I was going to tell him. So now I get him at a, at, you know, at a distance away, and I look to him close. I'm right in his face. And I said, let me just tell you something, okay, Mr. Brando? You screwed us up. I'm cleaning this up because I know we're on the radio. As you screwed us up for me, I will suck on your heart. You hear me? I will kill you today. <laughs> he looked at me. He stepped back. He said, that was brilliant. He thought I was acting. <laughs> <laughs> what a great story. And that was it. It's, oh, what a great story. We, we became friends forever. In, South, died, in South Philly, we call that taking him for a walk. Put your arm around yeah, him, take him for a walk, whispering oh, yeah. in their ear. Hello. It's a now, walk and Johnny, talk. Johnny, i got to ask you a question, Johnny. Have you seen the movie Green Book? Please. No, but I know Tony Lip. I can't wait to see. I, you know, it's so funny. I, I'm, I'm That's what I thought. And you know, but not only that, we, we, the films I've had and been in, I uh, have won nine Oscars, so I vote. But I've been so right. busy promoting my vote. I, I, I got a pile of, of the, these, uh, they send you Screeners, these uh, yeah. movies for me to, yeah. So I, I have my, yeah. you know, my sisters or anybody vote for me. But I want to see the book, the book just because I knew Tony. I mean, he's not what they made him out to be. He was a knock-around guy at the Copa, and he used to help Carmine a lot. But I know him all my life. 
And I'm happy for his son yeah. that he got. I mean, they won the Oscar. I can't believe yeah. it. Yeah, they did. Who knows? The Maybe reason my I book is going to win the Oscar. <laughs> well, I think it should win the Oscar, and, and you should be played by L.A. Nick, a nice Italian boy from Philadelphia. <laughs> well, you know who's going to? You know who's in in the mix? A nice Italian hmm. boy called Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah. thought. Gianni, that uh, when I saw Green Book, Vigo Mortensen is brilliant in it. He's phenomenal. And I knew that you knew Tony Lip. And I think Vigo may have watched you in a few scenes through all your movies. Because he reminded me a lot of of Carlo. You know, Carlos. Oh, uh, you. oh I think that there's no question about it. There's part, there's part of you in that movie. I don't think there's any question about that. And it's great. There is a scene in it, Gianni, that you will love. Vigo Mortensen takes an entire large pizza, rolls it up like a calzone, and eats it. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Uh, Sounds like Luca Brazzi to me, not me. <laughs> yeah, Luca Brazzi, that's right. Sleeping with the fishes. Yeah. Uh, how long did it take you to write the book, Gianni? Well, I, it's a process because I, I started writing it, and then friends of mine, even my lawyer, said, you know, you can't release this book. So I had to wait for a couple of guys to die, and there was one guy that I wish, not that he died, but you know, I, I knew it would be a problem because he's got a, a nice chapter in my book. And uh, as God is very good to me, on March 7th, the guy died, five days before my book came out. But I thought that would be the only guy, and it was uh, Carmine Persico, Jr. They called him the snake. And sure, he just yeah. Died, March 7th. Yeah, I actually saw that well, he died. Th- there's a big scene in this book. I mean, the book has many chapters. I'm talking like a film. But it's got a chapter on him alone, which I thought I'd get some repercussion from. But obviously, I won't anymore. May he rest in peace. <laughs> but he was the last guy. I, what I love about I what you I, just you know, said I, was... I couldn't wait anymore. God loves me. God's always watched over me. And I got lucky because he died like the next day. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's funny. I'm glad I don't have to say that to a judge again. They don't believe me no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. What was it like dating Marilyn Monroe and Liza Minnelli? Well, Liza was a trip and a half. She still Marilyn, is. Marilyn, it really wasn't. It was just a friendship, you know, that turned into. Oh, it was a friendship? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, it lasted four years. But, you know, it's at such a time in my life because I just watched her a hundred times and some like it hot. And now I, you know, I yeah. meet the lady. I couldn't believe it. And then Costello says to me, what are you doing this weekend? I said, nothing, whatever you want me to do. He said, I want you to stay in the hotel. We're talking about the Waldorf. He said, there's a lady up in, up in the suite that, you know, if she wants anything, check in on her over the weekend. Because he used to disappear with his family on the weekend. Only to find out it was Marilyn Monroe. I couldn't believe it. Forget it. It was like insane. But, you know, then I was around for a long time, around her, and we built up a friendship. And any time she had some free time, we'd go for, like, normal stuff. A walk in Central Park. She'd put on a disguise. We'd walk over the Brooklyn Bridge. She'd like to sit on the other side looking at the skyline. I mean, she was mm-hmm. just a, a, a great person who needed a hug. Just like I did, you know. My, my childhood was very strange, and we had a lot of parallels. The same, and uh, that's how we got close, actually. Yeah, I, uh, it's understandable. That, uh, by the way, doing that. If you go to New York, ladies and gentlemen, you should do exactly what Car- uh, what Johnny's talking about with uh, with Marilyn Monroe, because it is that scenery 
That is absolutely stunning, looking back at the city like that. It's, it's amazing. Oh, my God, yeah. It is absolutely true. But I tell you, Johnny, I've always enjoyed your work. I love talking to you because you just come right out and tell the truth. The way I do have to ask you, though, you grew up in Little Italy, uh, and I have not been in, in New York, unfortunately, in, what, Catherine, about 10 years now, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Since you've been in New York. Is Grata uh, Azor still little in Little Italy? Little getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I heard. It's, yeah, it's all gentrified it's, Same with Philadelphia. It's almost gone. It's and like Chinatown a couple streets. Too, right? Yeah, I know. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, South Philly. We, we can blame... Yeah, we can blame Giuliani for that. I don't know who you're going to blame. <laughs> Andrew Bruno would okay. say that. <laughs> well, South, South Philly still has the Italian markets, which is holding it on because people come from all over Philly to go to the Italian market. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I do that myself. Yeah, so, so South Philly will always have that little Italian neighborhood, but it has shrunk. And when I, when I grew up in Philly, whole Italian families would own whole streets. So you, the Pilatas would have exactly. one whole street. The Alanoras would have one whole block. It's just the way it was. Yeah. And it's sad to see. And, you know, being mob was kind of romanticized for me as I was a kid. And, I, you know, I was born in 64, so I grew up in the 70s. And that was romanticized a lot. So I missed oh, that. Yeah. I missed those days. It always was, you know. There was that, the intrigue of the mob. I mean, look at Cagney, George Rapp. All these guys made careers out of make-believe mobsters. They, they was, there's a sex appeal about it. People are attracted yeah, to it. Yeah, there is. That's why I got ten mothers to my kids. <laughs> <laughs> God, you are unbelievable. I will close with this, and I'll, I'll do it at the very I saved it for the very end because I'm, I have to say what the man said, and it, it, it's language that needs to be edited out before this airs. But the first time I ever went to Little Italy, uh, 1980, I think 1980, 81, something like that, I go down to Little Italy, and there was a cafe. I don't know if it's still there. It's called Luna. Uh, there used to be a place called Luna oh, down yeah. in Little Italy. I was born yeah. upstairs. One, two, well, there one, you one, go. One. Yeah. So, here, yeah, I'm right on Mulberry. I walk in there, and it's my first day in New York. I'm at Luna. I'm sitting there, and this guy comes in, and the server comes and goes, uh, can I help you, sir? And a guy says, and it's like 10 o'clock in the morning, and the guy says, yeah, yeah, you can help me. Give me a fucking egg and a fucking Budweiser. <laughs> I will never forget it as long as I live. <laughs> like, I am what in New York, like? man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Johnny, uh, I do also a morning show. we got to get you booked on a morning show, too, and, and sell this book, man. Oh, we gotta, please. We gotta, absolutely, we'll book you to do the morning show. It's a KQRS radio in Minneapolis, and we'll get you on. I love talking to you, Johnny. Nice to talk to you again, and I well, look forward to talking to you on the morning time. show, too. And, and the lovely lady, always a pleasure visiting you guys and, and her. Thank you. You're a good man. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Mi familia. Just for Alex. Ha, ha, ha.